0: Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd, and thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, go buy a potter's earthenware flask, and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests, and go into the valley of the son of Hinnom, at the entry of the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I tell you. You shall hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocents and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. Now, many times in Israel's past, God has told them that if they no longer serve him and fall into idolatry or worship other gods or go after other nations, then he's going to take them out of the land. That land called the promised land. It was promised to them. And several of the kings throughout their history in the Old Testament were warned. Some listened and God relented, but many didn't. And they suffered for it. But now the time has come for God to remove Israel from the promised land, as he had promised. Their rebellion was over the top and denying the land of its Sabbath rest for 490 years. That was a command that God gave the Israelites, that every seventh year, they would let the ground lie fallow. In other words, they wouldn't plant or harvest or anything, and they didn't do it. And so for 490 years, you had this rebellious act, and he used that to calculate the time of their exile. He said, okay, you have missed 70 Sabbaths. So every seven years, they're supposed to let the ground lie fallow. They didn't do that for 490 years. 490 divided by seven is 70. So those 70 Sabbaths that were missed would be made up as the ground lie fallow They're in desolation, and the Israelites in Judah were taken into captivity. The message of the Lord came through Jeremiah to the priests and the elders, and they should have been in tune with what God was thinking, what God was saying. They had the word, they knew the stuff, but like nearly everyone else, they had rejected God by rejecting his law and their relationship with him. And their relationship with God seemed to be adversarial, looking at their actions. They didn't want anything to do with God. They played the role of priests and of Levites and elders and all this, but they were wicked, the people were wicked, and God said, Okay, I've had enough. In chapter twenty, verse one. It it says, now Pasher the priest, the son of Emer, who was a chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. So he's out there and he gets wind of it. Then Pasher beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. So he drags him into the temple area and basically puts him in stocks after beating him. And the next day when Pasher released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, the Lord does not call your name Pasher, but terror on every side. That's his new name. Pasture had a meaning of something like prosperity or something like that. And he's like, your name is no longer prosperity, dude. Terror on every side. So here we're introduced to a priest named Pasher, a chief officer in the temple who's a politician. Basically, he advised the king. He's one of the top dogs. And he was not even close to being in tune with God's plan. Rather, he was in opposition to the will of God. The guy didn't want anything to do with hearing from a prophet. He was leaning on his own understanding and trying to keep the people happy and keep the king happy, stuck between the two. But when he hears the truth of God prophesied by Jeremiah, he goes out and goes off on him and beats him and puts him in jail. We should remember something that when you're listening to God's will, when it speaks to you, when you're being rebuked, it's better to suffer through something at God's rebuke than try to lean on your own understanding and try to defend yourself. If you deserve a rebuke, take it, own it. And God rebukes us all the time in love, but nonetheless, he rebukes us because we do stupid things. And when you're in a position of... Trying to please everybody, you have to compromise, and Pasher was a very compromised person, even to the point where he was persecuting the prophets of God, which is nothing new. At this point, despite the fact that Jeremiah was a true prophet of God, he wasn't very popular with the people. His message continually called people back to doing the will of God, and that means repenting, everybody. Stop doing your evil and do what is right, and he would be mistreated routinely throughout his life as a prophet. You know, it just shows a picture of the wicked hearts of the people, including the religious leaders. Jeremiah 20, verse 7. This is where Jeremiah lays it out to the Lord. "'O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You're stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everybody mocks me. For wherever I speak, I shout, "'Violence and destruction.'" And that's what was coming. That's what God was telling him. "'For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him.'" or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, Lord, this is rough what I'm going through, but I have to speak your word good attitude. Jeremiah is pushing the will of God forward in his life, and he is rejecting the will of himself to pout and throw a fit. Despite the harsh treatment, the prophet knows his calling and is faithful. You know, it's common in the, the scriptures, the same way Jesus, as well as many other prophets, are treated. In Acts 7.51, this is Stephen talking. Stephen is dragged out and being grilled by the religious leaders, and he gives this really good sermon in chapter 7, and then he ends it with this. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, meaning the old prophets, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Talking about Jesus. And you received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. And this didn't work out well for Stephen from a worldly sense. They went off. They formed an angry mob. They dragged him out and they murdered him like they murdered a bunch of other prophets. But from a spiritual and an eternal perspective, Stephen was given a high honor to die for Christ. Does that even appeal to people today, I wonder? And we've got to remember, in the time where this may occur, the Holy Spirit will give us the peace to undergo persecution to the point of death. He's there, man. He is there ready to rock. We don't have to be afraid of these people. There was a student of John the Apostle named Polycarp, and Polycarp was a very revered and renowned pastor in uh, one of the churches in Revelation, uh, the church of Smyrna. And the Romans arrested him, and they were going to kill him. And the proconsul then urged him, saying, swear and I will release the reproach Christ. They didn't want to kill him because this guy was a godly man. He's like, dude, just just say it, man. You don't have to mean it. Just say it. And Polycarp answered, 86 years I have served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? That was right before they burned him at the stake. That's an interesting story, too. I'm going to read that. Polycarp. You can look that up online. That's his final words going to his death. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? I'm getting ready to die. They're going to kill me for no reason. This is wrong. I demand my rights. Nope, I will not blaspheme my king. That's pretty impressive. That's inspiring. Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 37 said, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as hens gathered her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. That's sad. Jeremiah the prophet, as we read the book of Jeremiah, you see a young man, he was despised because of his youth, because he was a young guy when God called him, and he had a very unpopular message to his country, that God had warned them there is judgment coming. And he would see that judgment. He would see the invasion. He would see the mass killing of those who rejected the king, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, not only weeping because of what was coming to his nation, but also what he saw, what he observed when it happened. God protected Jeremiah, even though Jeremiah had to suffer. I mean, it's in and out of jail and, and in and out of persecution, dumping him in a, a cistern full of mud, you know, big hole in the ground, and basically letting him sit there till he dies, but he was rescued. God took care of him. But we need to remember that following God will cause us to suffer at times, but the glory we experience, both here as well as eternity, makes the suffering well worth it. When we do suffer for our faith, we need to keep our chin up and realize that, We don't suffer anything like a lot of people did back in these days, and a lot of people do in other countries around the world today. We got it made, but you know what? The horizon looks like we could see some of this stuff happening. We don't have to be afraid. It's like, bring it on. God's with us, and if God's with us, who can be against us? Thank you.